Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Chris Hanna was featured in Wine Country Women of Sonoma County, due out in March. Chris is the proprietor and president of Hannah Winery. She is also an author, a teacher, a wife, and a mother. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for staying down with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here at the winery, taking in this spectacular view. You ready to jump in? Absolutely. I like to always ask people what was their first professional job ever? <laughs> I uh, was an event planner, a corporate event planner right out of college. And uh, a wonderful woman uh, hired me and took me under her wing. And it was in the early days of what now is Silicon Valley and companies like Apple and 3Com had you know relatively big budgets and they were doing you know annual meetings they were doing sales conferences uh that kind of thing and we organized everything from uh you know media to catering to everything else and uh, it was a great education and um and in fact uh very helpful as we started the winery and began to do events at the winery. I mean, so many of the things that I learned through Kristen were ac applicable to uh, uh, to everything that we do here. So it was a really great first first job. So did you ever think that you'd be running a winery one day? No, you know my 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 dad and I had been making homemade wine as a hobby, and it was really a hobby. Like we, you know, we made a barrel of wine together and. I just, I think as a teenager, I just thought, okay, well, you know, every family has a quirky hobby that they do on the weekends. And <laughs> for <laughs> us, it was, you know, stomping on Cabernet. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't think I ever saw us as a, you know, as a real winery. It was just a fun thing to do on the weekends to share with friends. And here you are. And here I am. So uh, the great thing about uh, that early time in the wine business, and that was kind of the late eight, 70s, early 80s uh, for me, was that the barriers to entry were so low. There weren't that many of us. There were, you know, the Italian uh, winemaking families, of course, and there were a handful of other wineries like uh, like the Wetzels and the Murphys that were that had just started out making wine commercially. Uh so, you know, it, it had kind of a cowboy frontier feeling to it back then. And you could throw your hat in the ring and give it a try. And, you know, it wasn't like you needed to have $50 million in a bank account to do it. So there was a wonderful creativity and uh, riskiness to it that made uh, the industry really exciting and uh, and fun and we banded together we were sort of the merry band of you know vintners that would travel the country and pour our wines to people who had no idea what Sonoma was you know they might have heard of Napa but Sonoma was you know was new was totally new so you introduced people to Sonoma yeah it was it was really I you know I think as I'm remembering the 27 year old me 
um, it was really a wonderful time to be in the industry. It was full of possibility. And I'm not saying that it isn't now because, you know, we're a mature winery. We've been successful there, you know, and, and that's terrific. And I've got, you know, I've got two kids that, you know, may be interested in coming into the business. And it's exciting to know that that's a possibility that we've created, you know, opportunity um, for them. But, you know, I think uh, as a family, um, you know, we all know that the business is very different now than it was uh, in the beginning. We have so much more global competition. Under your leadership, what are some of the milestones that you're most proud of? Mm. Um, definitely uh, the year we were on the cover of the Wine Spectator was a huge thing. Um, that sort of felt like a, a bit of a game changer for the winery. Um, the other thing was uh, we won the Sonoma County Harvest Fair sweepstakes for the Sauvignon Blanc three out of five years. And, you know, yes, that's a local wine competition, but it really put the Sauvignon Blanc on the map map and kind of put the exclamation point um, next to our name as a, you know, as a, a really um leader in the Sauvignon Blanc world, particularly for the style of Sauvignon Blanc that we were making. Which we have to ask, what kind of style do you make? Uh, we make a tank fermented style. So it really, we're not trying to make it like Chardonnay. We're not trying to make a, a sort of heavy, um, um, I call it sort of viscous, glycerin style of Sauvignon Blanc. And some people do that. That's more of a Bordeaux style. Uh, but we're making more of a Loire Valley uh, style, really bright and crisp with an emphasis on um, on all of those beautiful esters that come from growing uh, around the compounds that, that come from growing uh, Sauvignon Blanc in a cool climate. And you mentioned that you were on Wine Spectator. What was the occasion? Uh, it was for Cabernet, and they were doing a focus on, uh, on Cabernets um, uh, and we ended up on the cover along with three other uh, Cabernet producers. And it was just, it was a really big deal for us because, you know, we are known for Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, we're sitting in the middle of a beautiful Cabernet vineyard. We're really proud of the Cabernet. And it was just, it was wonderful to get that third party endorsement. That, Absolutely. You know, here, you know, hey world, uh, this is a winery that's known for this thing, but pay attention to what they're doing in the Cabernet sphere. Absolutely. Yeah. When consumers or, or anyone comes here to Hannah Winery, what can they expect? Uh, I think they can um, expect a really warm, knowledgeable uh, vibe from our hospitality uh, crew. And that that's really important to me. Um, I think we've, as an industry, gone to more of a kind of formal sit-down, appointment-only tasting. And I get that. I understand that that's, you know, needed, um, particularly for more serious, you know, wine drinkers and collectors. And not everybody wants to stand three deep at the bar. But even in that more formal setting, uh, it's important to not... um, be off-putting. Uh, I, I think we're really good sometimes in this industry of making people feel wrong, telling them what they should like and what they shouldn't like. And uh, our crew uh, is knowledgeable and warm, and you like what you like, um, regardless of whether it got a 99 in The Spectator. If you don't like it, that's okay. You know, we're, we're, we make a, a real breadth of wines. We only distribute a few, the Sauvignon Blanc and the Chardonnay and Cabernet. Um, but we make 
15 or 20 really small lot uh, wines that we feature just in the tasting room and uh, uh, we want you to dis- discover something uh, exciting and a hidden gem and uh, and we just we want you to feel good and comfortable while you're doing it well it's hard not to feel good and comfortable <laughs> when you're sitting here on the veranda taking in this spectacular view and and you know sipping on some Hannah wine during the course of your career has there been someone that's been extremely instrumental in perhaps mentoring you or mm-hmm. or just coaching you along the way well of course my father who was our founder and and you know, I was his assistant winemaker at the tender age of 14. So oh, he's, wow. <laughs> he's just one of those, you know, he's a, he's a brilliant cardiac surgeon, retired now cardiac surgeon by training and became, you know, world famous for taking out a, a fragmented, a fragmented bullet out of a GI's heart um, on the front lines in Vietnam without any blood transfusion. Uh, I mean, there was no blood available. And so Incredible. he was able to do this surgery really fast um, without any blood transfusion. And of course, you know, after he was discharged and came back to San Francisco, this technique became really important in the age of, you know, hepatitis scare. And then of course, uh, with the AIDS virus. So to the extent that patients could have open heart surgery without any outside blood, he became very well, uh, very sought after. So, I mean, the guy is a risk, risk taker by nature. And so, you know, sure, start a the first cardiac surgery program in San Francisco? Absolutely. Uh, buy 12 acres up in, you know, the middle of nowhere in Sonoma County and start making wine? Sure. Why not? And, and <laughs> you know, and anything else. So, uh, you know, I, I really learned from him um, just an incredible work ethic and uh, a w- willingness to see the world as your oyster. Just, you know, try it uh, kind of a thing. And... Um, so of course he was an incredible mentor. And then, you know, as we moved from hobby winery to, you know, Hey, let's do this for real. Uh, Mary Edwards was our consulting winemaker and boy, did I learn a boatload from her. And I didn't, you know, we did, it's not as if we spent, you know, 40,000 hours together, but the time that I spent with her, I mean, I would just watch her like a hawk and, you know, she taught me everything from, you know, barrel cleanliness protocol to how to move as a woman in a meeting with all men. I mean, she was just fearlessly direct and clear. And I really learned that from her. Uh, and that was, uh, that was a wonderful lesson in a business that was really dominated by men, where I was a young, you know, I was a young woman and in order to get people to take you seriously you needed to you needed to comport yourself in a certain way and being a nice girl and waiting your turn wasn't going to do it so Mary really taught me how to be direct and clear and um, to uh, use my words as we say to our kids now use our words yes what's ahead for Hannah Winery uh gosh we are you know, we're in an interesting place. Uh, we continue to grow the Sauvignon Blanc program. Uh, we have, uh, we've grown that staying within the Russian River uh, ABA, which we're just 
we're really excited and committed to um, for quality Sauvignon Blanc. So uh, that's been exciting. We've done some vineyard retrofit in order to make that happen. Um, done what some people would think is crazy and grafted over, you know, Chardonnay and, and some Pinot Noir uh, at at our biggest Russian River Valley vineyard um, over to Sauvignon Blanc exclusively. Oh, wow. So, you know, we're, we just believe in it. We're really committed to, um, uh, to Sauvignon Blanc. And, uh, and so that's exciting to see that fruit come on um, and, and see that quality. I really do think we found at that Slusser Road vineyard, probably the best Russian River Sauvignon Blanc vineyard, you know, period. Um, so that's really exciting. Uh, we've got some fun new wines that um, we're making that are wine club exclusives. We've got half an acre of a very little known Bordeaux variety called St. Macaire. Uh, it's up here by the barn. Um, and we have half an acre of it. There's a sum total of one acre uh, of it planted in California period. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, Hannah and uh, Napa Winery each have half an acre of it. And, um, and why, did, wait, I have to ask, why did you decide to plant it? Um, we had gotten to know, uh, the folks at O'Shaughnessy Winery and they were using it as a blender for their cab program. And they make a, you know, they're sort of a cult Napa, mm -hmm. you know, cab, uh, brand and wonderful people. And they were willing to share some cuttings. We were looking for a blender for Cabernet that was not Merlot. Uh, Merlot on this ranch tends to come across as sort of herbal and more tannic than we would like. And we have plenty of tannin in the Cabernet. So we were looking for alternatives and, um, and they were kind enough to give us a tour of the vineyard and, and, uh, share some, uh, some cuttings with us. And, uh, and it's been really fun to play with. And we initially used it as a blender and now we make, uh, a barrel or two, you know, just for wine club. And it's, it's got a completely different fr profile from Cabernet. It's much more savory, almost Syrah-like. Um, it's got this beautiful black olive uh, character, dark, dark fruit, um, but not intense tannins. You look at the color of it and it's this opaque dark purple, and yet the tannins are, you know, are not gritty or chalky at all. It's really interesting. So we've got that. We're playing with that. We found a, um, a vineyard in the Russian River Valley uh, with French Columbard and we bought uh, some of that fruit from the grower initially to blend into the Sauvignon Blanc program and just fell in love with it so we're making an old school Columbard that you know gosh when you attach when it's grown correctly in the right place and you attach modern winemaking techniques it's a really interesting white wine it reminds me a little bit of the best sort of uh, Vouvray Chenin Blanc um, uh, from France. It's just delightful. So, um, so those are our two sort of fun new varieties that we're that we're playing with. Are those two wines available in the tasting room in now? In the tasting room, yeah. Uh, yeah. We made a whole thirty cases of the Columbard. So I might have to know. pop in there before <laughs> I leave and get a sip. Fascinating. How much wine do you make? Now we make uh, we make about sixty five thousand cases. So and how um, much of that is Sauvignon Blanc? Is Sauvignon Blanc about fifty thousand cases of Sauvignon oh, Blanc? Oh, a good so, amount. Yeah. For so sure. that's really our our lead variety out right. in the marketplace. But um, you know, people come to the tasting room and they join the wine club for the other wines that we make for right. these sort of little things uh, uh, that we do. We've got a beautiful vineyard up on the Sonoma side of Mount Vitor called Bismarck. 
and uh, we make um, Bordeaux varieties uh, from up there. Beautiful Cabernet, a Bordeaux blend called Titan, um, and uh, a gorgeous Infidel that reminds me of an Italian Amarone. Um, and that's at 2,600 feet above sea level, you know, really interesting vineyard. So, uh, so really that's, that's the treat for people when they come to the tasting room to discover these more limited production wines because they can find the Sauvignon Blanc out in their, in their wine shops. So they may know they, they, uh, are introduced to us, uh, by the Sauvignon Blanc and then they come in and are are able to discover all these other little gems. Well, I like to think that, and we've got lots of longstanding wine club members. So I thank them for their loyalty and enthusiasm. They've been cheering us on on the sidelines for a long time. So Chris, I have to ask what continues to drive you? Oh gosh, you know, I think about, uh, you know, my family every day. I mean, my, my dad is 85 and, uh, you know, I, every day I wake up and I just want to be, um, uh, I just want to honor his risk taking his legacy, his, uh, you know, he came here from a little village in the middle East and is the ultimate American dream. And so, uh, I just, I want to honor that every day. Uh, I think about my, you know, siblings who were my partners in the, you know, in the winery and uh, want to do well for them and, and for my kids and for the next generation. So, you know, family business is, uh, is, is important stuff. You know, it's not just about you. Uh, it's about your family. And then, and then also, you know, the legacy too. uh, Absolutely. It's a legacy and, and it's about, um, the folks who work for you, you know, I've been blessed to have, uh, key employees here who have been with us for decades and I've watched their kids grow up. I've watched them, you know, move through different stages and in their lives. And, and that's a responsibility too. You know, I want to create a, and sustain a thriving business for them and, um, continue to be a place where people can make their careers happen and take care of their families. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. Game day tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Want to have the most fans at your game day get-together? Bring an amazing IPA to complement your favorite hot wings. Chips and guacamole are a must on game day. Pair with a crisp Prosecco for the win. Ordering a meat lover's pizza for halftime? Serve with a red wine like a Spanish Rioja for a fun pairing. Whether you're hosting game day or stocking up, Total Wine & More is what you need with our ridiculous selection at our always low prices. Cheers. Well, let's move on to your personal life. Okay. (laughs) So you're a California girl from the Bay Area. Based on what you've told us today, your father was really instrumental in the decision regarding where you lived Mm. would that be correct I mean now uh he we lived in San Francisco and he bought the initial 12 acres up here in Santa Rosa in what's now the Russian River Valley okay yeah and uh we planted some grapevines and and made homemade wine there okay so then I guess the question should be is your home right around here? Yeah, I li- yes, I live in Healdsburg. Okay. And initially I lived um, in my in my late 20s, I lived on the Occidental Road property in Santa Rosa. Okay. And and then But I, today you're in Healdsburg. Today I'm so in how Healdsburg. did you choose Healdsburg? Um 
to be perfectly honest, uh, I was looking for an excellent coffee shop. Um, having grown up with really good coffee in San Francisco my entire life. Uh, no, we had, we had bought this property in Alexander Valley and, you know, Healdsburg's the closest town and it had this charming square and these darling bungalows and it just felt like home to me. And I wandered into, I remember the first time I went there, I wandered into this coffee shop called Flying Goat Coffee. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was a real, it was a real deal, you know, coffee, artisan, uh, coffee shop, coffee yeah. shop. And, um, which ended up being serendipitous. I, I bought a house in, uh, in Healdsburg and, uh, met my husband at Flying Goat Coffee. So uh, <laughs> that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. He ended up being the owner. So, um, uh, so I had no idea. Yeah. So we like we in those days we like to call each other the the beverage couple. We had you know we had all your beverages covered, Coffee? or at least the most important yeah. ones. <laughs> right, the ones for the beginning of the day and the ones yeah. for the end. It was a coffee shop that led you to want to move to Healdsburg. Yes, and I bought this beautiful little bungalow uh, a few blocks from town, and it had been lovingly restored by a retired architect and had a gorgeous garden and this enormous black mission fig tree, hundred year old black mission fig tree in the backyard. And, you know, I'd bike into town and had this really idyllic, life. you know, idyllic life. And, you know, my daughter, Abby was, uh, you know, was little at the time and it was just such an easy, wonderful community for us to slipstream into. Um, very welcoming, small town, uh, you know, there were two restaurants in town at that time. I mean, Healdsburg's very different now, but it's still, you know, it still has that small town vibe. And mm -hmm. having grown up in San Francisco, I think people are surprised that I like the a small town atmosphere, but I really do. And I do plenty of travel for the winery to, you know, to big cities. I so just, it's nice to yeah. resort to a smaller town. Exactly. So today, if we took a step inside your home... Mm -hmm the home that you live in today with your husband, what would we see? How would you describe your decor, the colors? Um, you know, I moved, uh, we moved about six years ago from a rustic 1917 Craftsman Lodge to something totally different. And so my, our house today is light and bright and airy and really spare and minimal and almost like an art gallery space and every time I walk in the door there I just love it I've got art from local artists on the walls and that it really celebrates that and we're on the south side of Fitch Mountain we have a beautiful southern view um, and it's it's uh, I think it explains kind of where I want to be in my 50s which is you know a real clarity of thought I think in your 30s and 40s, you accumulate. And in your 50s, you get really clear about what you want out of life and, and the important things in life. And I feel like my house really reflects that now. Perfect. Any hobbies? You know, I am a daily yogi. So uh, I found yoga about 10 years ago. And, um, and I have found that. And I really just wrote it into my schedule. I had never been a person who did a lot of exercise you know I was always really active but not a great team sports player you know uh but I found yoga and really just loved it and loved the community and loved the um the studio and so 
um, you know, I do that religiously and, uh, unfortunately bring a rather competitive nature to it. So, uh, I do exactly what you're not supposed to do. And, you know, I've worked really hard to be able to do these sort of more advanced poses, but, um, uh, what, you know, what can I say? I'm not a perfect, <laughs> I'm not a perfect yogi, but, um, uh, but I really do love it. And it's, uh, uh, and so, that's really important. You're um, an experienced yogi. I'm an experienced yogi. Yes. There, we, there we go. So is there something people might be surprised to learn about you? Uh, aside from the fact that I do all these crazy arm balances um, in my yoga class, uh, what else would people be surprised to know? I'm I'm kind of a neatnik, um, and I'm... And, you know, I started teaching a few years ago at the uh, community college, Santa Rosa Junior College. They have a wine studies program. And I sort of did it on a lark. You know, the the coordinator of the program uh, asked me for coffee and wanted to know. I had been the president of the Sonoma County Vintners and, um, you know, in that capacity, he wanted to ask me what, you know, are there classes that we should be offering at the college that we're not? How can we help you in the industry with entry level um, uh, students? And we had this great conversation and we talked for an hour or two. And at the end of it, he looked at me and he said, would you be ever be interested in teaching? And I said, well, you know, I have no formal experience in teaching, but you know, if you think that I could be valuable. It could be interesting, you know, I'd be willing to give it a try. And, you know, I started and that first fall and just absolutely fell in love with it. And uh, I'm in my third year now. And, you know, every class that I teach, I have all these repeat, you know, students and um, just get great feedback from them. And I learned so much from them. I'm really into bringing uh, speakers, guest speakers into the classroom. So, students can connect with people who are doing those jobs in the industry. And, um, and I really, it's, it's probably one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. So Um, what, what specifically are you teaching? So this last semester I taught, um, sort of apropos of our book, uh, I taught a Sonoma, uh, viticultural area class. And so we talked about all the different, uh, American viticultural areas in Sonoma, ones that are pending, ones that might be upcoming, you know, why they exist. And I, I asked the question of the class, I said, what I really want you to examine aside from just memorizing the facts and figures is, you know, do all these AVAs really help you as a consumer, right? Are we, are we making things to, you know, on the one hand, are we uh, creating more information to, for consumers so they can make good choices? Or on the other hand, are we making it too confusing? Mm-hmm. And we had some really robust, interesting discussions around that um, throughout the course of the. Yeah, class. I like that conversation. Yeah. I yeah. would have liked to. Have been <laughs> yeah, it was really a fly fun. on the wall. <laughs> so yeah. I've taught everything from that class to we did an eight week Zinfandel seminar where I had different Zin winemakers come in and share their wines um, each week. Uh, I. T- teach a a wine sensory class Mm -hmm. that's really interesting we learned about all the basic components of wine sensory analysis from you know acid to tannin to um uh, to sugars to uh wine flaws and the like um that one's a little bit more technical but it's really great to start to tease apart your your nose and palate um uh, for sensory analysis so it's um and then i've taught a, a wine history class 
uh, I've done sort of global wines. I love introducing people to wines outside of California. I mean, as much as I'm a, an ambassador for Sonoma and California wines, we have so much to learn from the French and the Italians sure. and the Spanish. Absolutely. And the Argentinians and the New Zealanders and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So I just love it. I love it all. I love being a teacher. And that's just been a great kind of midlife uh, new aspect to discover. Well, we are going to wrap things up with what I like to call five quick questions. Okay. This has been so much fun. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. What kind of car do you drive? Uh, BMW X5. Who's your favorite clothing designer? Uh, Giorgio Armani. What's the last vacation you took? Uh, Toto Santos, Mexico. What's the last piece of candy you ate? Oh, a handful of guitar chocolate chips before I made some chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And what's one of your all-time favorite movies? Oh, Out of Africa with the uh, incomparable Meryl Streep. Perfect. Chris, thank you so thank much. Thank you, Michelle. It was a pleasure. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.